This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have one, you can probably use your phone or tablet or whatever uh, you use. There's also Bibles out in the back that if you don't own one, we'd love for you to take one home with you. Uh, and if you have a friend or a roommate or a coworker that doesn't have one, take it and give it away. Um, and so we just want people to have the Word of God because we believe that is the only thing in this world that is absolutely true. So please grab a Bible. Uh, Ephesians chapter chapter 3. So let's read together and then ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through his word. Paul writes in verse 14, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. So this is a prayer from Paul asking God to strengthen the church, that they may know him. So I feel that we would be foolish to not also start by asking God to strengthen us to know him, that through his power we would understand his word. Uh, And so I want to invite you to to pray and ask the Lord yourself for that. Uh, And if you're willing, um, would you just close your eyes and would you hold your hands out open in front of you? You don't have to. Um, It's just... There's something physically that happens when we open our hands. It releases a little bit of control in our inner being. And so if you're willing, would you just close your eyes and open your hands? And in your own own words, in your own heart, would you pray and ask the Father in heaven to speak to you and to strengthen you today? Father, we need you. Every minute of every day we need you. Forgive us for thinking we can do this on our own. Would you in your kindness and grace speak to us today? Strengthen our spirits that we may follow you all the days of our lives. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. All right, so have you ever, have you ever been in something, doing something, a relationship, a job, uh, a, a race? Uh, there was supposed to be a 10K today. Uh, it got rained out, right? Have you ever been in something where you just wanted to quit? Like you were, you were like, okay, it's done. That's it. Like I am, I am out. Maybe it's a job you couldn't handle anymore. I had one of those that I, I dreaded Sundays because I knew Monday was coming. Um, and I just couldn't handle it anymore. Uh, m- maybe it's a relationship. Uh, maybe it's a circumstance in life that has just so pressed on you and, and crushed you that you're, you're like, I, I'm done. Like, I don't know that I can keep going anymore. I don't know that I can keep doing this anymore. Anyone else ever just kind of had that I'm out, I quit moment? Um, just, okay, uh, there's a couple of you. Thank you, I appreciate the participation. Um, otherwise, it's like, well, just me. I'm out, see ya. Um, what about in faith? Have you ever had that moment in faith where you're just, 
you're just not sure. And, and you, 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 you know, you think you want to follow God, but you're just not sure anymore. That, that you're looking around and you're like, time out, time out, time out, God. This, is, this doesn't make sense. Like, I've prayed and I've asked and I've prayed and I've asked and nothing has changed. You ever had that moment? I, I, most of you, I think, know at this point, I stood right there at that zero probably a month or two ago and said, I, I don't know. Like, I'm at a crisis point in my faith. I don't know if I'm willing to follow and trust God through it all. Which, I'm at a much better place today, if you're wondering. Um, I, I will be honest with that. But, it, but at the same time, I don't want to deny the fact that this has been a season of, of my life that if I, I've never wanted to quit more in my entire life, ever. In my faith, in, in doing this, um, I, I've probably told Stephanie every day for the last month, like, I just want to go do something that seems easier. Anybody else ever felt that way with their faith? Like, faith is too stinking hard. But I also think that in the depths of our souls, we, we want to finish. We want to finish well. I, I believe that, that we want to stand before the Lord one day and have him in glory grab our face and look us in the eye and say, well done. You just imagine the God of this world pointing back to that season where you wanted to quit and you didn't, and he said, well done. Well done. I believe in our souls that's what we want. No matter what our flesh may feel sometimes, no matter what everything around us may be trying to tell us, I believe that, that for so many of us, we, we want to finish well. One of the common themes that uh, has just made me sad as I watch people in, in their journey of faith is just to see the number of people, the number of friends we've had that no longer are following after God. I look back to high school for Stephanie and I. We, we uh, met and started dating in high school. If you're like, whoa, what do you, you know, that, what's the story? So we, we did high school together, and I look back at the friends that were in church with us. There's one friend I can think of that's still following Jesus um, from high school. I look back at college, and, and man, college was a time where we grew significantly in our faith, and I look at the number of people in college, and I'm like, man, if they're still following Jesus, if they're still following Jesus, there's very few that I'm like, man, they're like really still walking after Christ. It, it seems like we graduate college, and then we get all these pressures and things in life, and life takes over, and it's like, ah, you know, faith is there, but I gotta, I gotta do my job, and family, and gotta pay the bills, and I gotta get retirement, and so we just kind of like decline in our faith, and I just seem to see that as people move on, that, that their faith takes more and more of a back seat. But I don't, I don't believe that's what we desire. I really don't. I don't believe that we're sitting here and we're like, man, I'd really like to kind of just uh, half-heart it here. I'd love to get to heaven one day and be like, eh, you know, I gave it a good run for a month or two. I, I, don't, I don't believe that is what we want. But at the same time, gosh, it's hard, right? It's hard. We just want to quit sometimes. And if that day hasn't come yet, I, I, would be, I would not serve you well to tell you otherwise. That day is going to come. It's going to come where the bottom drops out and our faith is really tested and we're just not sure that we want to keep going or that we can keep going. And so here's the word from Paul today. Don't quit. Don't quit. Sometimes I think the best, the most spiritual thing we can do in our faith is just not quit. 
I don't know what that looks like. I'm not saying that we have to, like, I, I think sometimes we want to have this plan of like, okay, this is what I have to do. I have to read this long and pray this long and go here and do here and serve here. And yeah, that's great. But I think sometimes all God's saying is, hey, don't quit. Like, let me just carry you through this. Just don't give up. Don't lose heart. That's what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus here. Don't lose heart. So if you look back in verse 13, that's what he says. I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay the course. Press on. It's hard and the world is crashing around you and there's storms that have so surrounded you that you can't see the other side of the rain. You can't see what's around you. All you think is that you're about to sink. Don't quit. Don't lose heart. Paul, this guy is writing to this church, and they know his story, right? If you, if you look at 2 Corinthians, at the end there, he kind of runs through his list of what he's gone through in following Jesus. Far more imprisonments, far, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from, from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from these other things, the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So this guy's like, hey, hey, keep going. And I'm like, well, time out, dude. Like, do you, did you, do you know what you've been through? Right? Like, that doesn't sound like something I particularly want to endure. And so Paul, the guy who's gone through all this, is like, hey, don't lose heart. Don't give up. And so if you're in that moment right now, when that moment comes, Paul, man, he sees you. He knows. He's not one from, from the sidelines just saying, hey, hey, keep going. He's one on the field, in the dirt, walking through the mess of life and saying, don't lose heart. Don't give up. Keep going. But the only reason Paul says that is because he knows there is a hope and a strength that enables him and will enable us to keep going. There's a strength that will give us everything we need to run the race of faith that is set before us and to not quit and to walk in holiness and righteousness. And that is where Paul takes us in Ephesians 3. That is what he brings us to. That is what we need today. Is we need this strength to carry us through. We need the strength to get us through that hard season. We need the strength to get us through that doubt. We need the strength to get us through that fear, that insecurity, that unknown, that lack of faith. So Paul turns us there. He says, don't lose heart. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named. For this reason, what does Paul do? He turns and he prays. In discouragement, and when things are hard, and when we want to lose heart, and we want to quit, and we don't know how to keep going, Paul says, pray. He drops to his knees in humility, and he cries out to his father for help. And he says, Father, do something. Help us here. Strengthen us to keep the course. Here's my belief. 
if we're going to leave here any different from, from when we came in, if our faith is going to grow, if we're going to see a revival of the Holy God in our hearts, in this church, and in this city, in this world, it will only happen through humility and prayer. If we think we can stand on our own two feet and accomplish the spiritual goals that God has for us, we're kidding ourselves. We're kidding ourselves. The the depth and the the significance of our faith, of this church, of of this world, is only going to be found when we, in humility, depend on and cry out to God to help us. There's a a pastor, I listened to a sermon this week, um, his name is Jim Cimbala, and I just found this quote from him. He says, your future and mine are determined by this one thing. One thing. The future of our life and of this church and it's everything around us is determined by this one thing, seeking the Lord. Seeking the Lord, turning to him in dependence and relying on him. That is what our future depends on. And so let me ask you this. What role does prayer play in your life? Be honest with yourself. What role does prayer have in your life? And I'm not talking like the, okay, let's sit down and pray and thank God for our food and then move on our way prayer. I mean, the prayer where you are crying out to independence to God, where your soul is communing with his, where you are trusting that he is going to answer and step in and do something. What role does faith, does prayer play in your life? If we are going to see growth in our own hearts, if we're going to see freedom and spiritual breakthrough, if you want something new spiritually in your life today, which I believe you're here, means you want something more. If you want that, it's going to come through prayer and through dependently calling out to God. Several years ago, I learned this lesson. Um, I I was in India with one of our church partners, and we were meeting with uh, a church planner. And, and what they, he does is he trains different church planters to go back and plant churches in these villages in India. And so I asked him, I said, I said why, why do you, his, his, call him why, his, I don't even know how to say his full name, but he's called him why. I said, why do you, how do you do this? How do you train these church planters? What is your steps, right? I'm thinking in my Western mentality of like, okay, I'm going to go home and I'm going to implement step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, like, tell me what to do. And he says, okay, well, we, we go to the village and, and for one week, two weeks, six weeks, however long it takes, we, we just pray. We walk around the village and we just pray. And eventually God brings someone to us and asks us, what are you doing? And we say, we're praying in Jesus' name. And, and they said, okay, great, I've tried. My, 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 my wife is sick and we've tried to pray to these gods and nothing has happened. Will you pray in the name of Jesus? And by faith, we pray in the name of Jesus and we watch God heal his wife. And then they trust Jesus and we start a church. And I was like, huh. I said, okay, so my mind's spinning, right? And I'm so, so, so time out. Let me, let me go back, let me go back. The f- what you do is you go and you pray. And he's like, yeah, what do you do? I was like, oh. I said, you see, we sit around a table and we pull up our chairs and we start strategizing about our plans. Like if we go here and we have this, you know, marketing scheme, and if we do this and this and this, and we totally, we were like, let's pray. God help us, you know, our own strength do this. Amen. Okay, what are we going to do? That's how I like to approach it. And they just throw their full dependence on the Holy Spirit to move. Yo, I don't think that God has pulled back his power to heal and to save and to transform entire cities. I think that our faith is so weak, we try to do it on our own, and God's like, I'm not about that. I'm not going to bless you in your own strength so that you get the glory. Come on. 
If we wanna see God move, if you wanna see God move in your life, the thing we have to do is to humble ourselves and say, God, I can't do this. And I need you to step in here and do something. On our own strength, gosh, we're not going very far. What role does prayer play in your life? I think the reason we see so many of our friends walk away from faith, the reason so many of us have moments where we're like, I, I, I am out, moments where we chase after things that don't satisfy is because we're depending on our own strength. We're not trusting in the strength of the Lord. And we're going to find ourselves face down in the dirt time and time again until we lean into him. And here's the deal. He's able. Like he's able to give. He's able to respond. We're not coming to a father who's limited in resources, right? He is able to respond. I, I think about our kids. As, as kids, you probably remember, like there was a, at least a certain age where you would just ask mom and dad anything and you just kind of expect it to happen because they're mom and dad and they can do anything, right? Like there's no limitations to mom and dad. I think about just the other day, we're, we're looking to move again, unfortunately. Um, and so we're looking at houses and for fun, we're like, hey, let's look at this one on Lake Travis with this massive pool like overlooking the lake. And, and Michaela's like, yes, that one. Let's move into that one. It's so amazing. And I'm like, baby, this is $9,000 a month. Like, are you serious? And she's like, yes. Like, she just has no concept that, no. Like, there's limitations to your mom and dad. We can't pull off everything. Right? But, but that's not the father we're praying to. We're not praying to a father that's like, oh, <laughs> bank account's a little tight right now. Can't, can't do that. That's not the father. Paul says, verse 16, he's praying according to the riches of his glory. Like in proportion to the wealth of God's glory, he's asking God give to us according to the riches of his glory. That word according to means that in, in, in direct correlation, in proportion to, right? Uh, it's not like I saw Amanda, Amanda posted a picture on Instagram. She's like with Mark Cuban, or he's in the background. I don't know if they were like, I don't know. It's one of those things. Like, hey, Mark, smile, you know, one of those things. But let's say Amanda, Mark Cuban, who's got billions of dollars. There was a day where I was listening to a podcast, and, and the, it just kind of clicked to me, like the difference between, a million is a lot, right? A billion? Are you kidding me? I, my mind can't get around that, that money. Like, it just doesn't make sense, right? He's got billions. And so let's say Amanda's like, hey, Mark, you know, I'm part of this church. Maybe you want to you donate some money to help support it? And he's like, cool, yeah, here's a $10 bill, right? Like, a $10 bill to a billionaire is not, in a, it's not according to his riches. That's like, oh, hey, yeah, like I got dug some change out of the you know, seat of my car. Here you go. According to, the, to his riches, it would have been like, okay, here's a check. Fill in the zeros. Like, it, won't, it still won't make a dent. Like, that's according to his riches. He's giving in proportion to his wealth. And so Paul is asking, according to the riches of God's glory, to give to us. So what is God's glory? Like, how do we know the riches of his glory? If we sit down and we're like, God, how do we know? Like, how, how glorious are you? How, how much do you have? What's your portfolio, right? Like, what's your list of assets? How do we know your fame and your majesty and how great you are? You know, we could look to Isaiah where he sees a glimpse of God's holiness and he falls down in fear and trembling. He says, woe am I, a man of unclean lips, right? He sees a bit of God's glory. 
We could look to Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. To measure God's glory, we can look around us and, and we see a tree and God's like, oh, that's my tree. And then we, we go and we drive to Yosemite and God's like, yeah, that's my, that's my park. We look around the people and God's like, oh yeah, I made them, but they're mine. Every molecule and atom in this earth, God's like, that's mine. That's mine. The Pacific Ocean, it's mine. It's mine. Every animal, every creature, yeah, it's mine. They're in the backyard, it's cool. The earth and everything is his. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In case the earth was not enough, you can just imagine David, a shepherd in his dark night, like maybe he didn't see a whole lot of things around him to be that impressed. And so he looks up and he sees all the stars and God's like, yeah, those are mine. Every celestial being in the galaxy, it's mine. I named them. I put them where I want them. They do what I tell them to do. It's a good bit of glory. It's pretty impressive. We see in Isaiah chapter 40, it says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span. When I think about the power of God, a span is the measurement. It's either from, from fingertip to thumb, like that's the measurement of a span, or if we want to get generous, it's fingertip to fingertip. Let's just go that way. Let's just say it's fingertip to fingertip for God, and he stretches out the galaxy with a span. The millions and billions of light years of space, God just goes and puts it out there. With ease and with power, he speaks creation out of nothing. What are the riches of God's glory? I can we can't even begin to build a resume out for God. And this is the Father that Paul is praying to. This is the one he's like, Father, give according to your riches. Y'all, we, we pray prayers that are way too small for who our God is. Let's just be honest. If he can give according to his riches, man, there's no end to his resources. There's no end to what he can do in your life. There's no end to the freedom he can bring, to the life he can bring. We've got to stop walking in our own strength and thinking we can accomplish something. When was the last time you created something out of nothing? When was the last time you measured the waters of the earth in the palm of your hands? We've got to turn to the one who gives according to his riches of glory. Church, I pray that we would get this in our soul, that we would know how abundantly rich God is and that he wants to give lavishly to us. That will change our prayers. That will change our confidence. It will change our belief of what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And so Paul prays, according to the riches of your glory, and then this is what he asks for, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul's prayer, this is what he asks, 
Father, of all the riches of your glory, of everything you have, of the abundance that you have, you lack nothing. Will you give power to your church? Will you strengthen their spirits? Will you lift their spirits, their inner being, by the Spirit of God yourself in them? That's his prayer. Strengthen your church. Strengthen your people. Lift their spirits. Have you ever gotten, um, one of my favorite things in college, heck, one of my favorite things today, is to get a care package in the mail. Right, like we got one from our old church the other day, and I was like, this is awesome. A gift card to Chick-fil-A? Like I was, I I was riding high, you know? Like you get one of those things and it just lifts your spirits, right? You're having a bad week and someone comes up and gives you an intentional word of encouragement? Dude, that'll set you off for the next week. Like you're ready to go. Just lifts your spirits. Well, what if when the spirit of the living God moves inside of you? Like what kind of spirit lifting strength is that? Can you imagine what we can do? Can you imagine the race we can run with the Spirit of God strengthening us? And that's what Paul is asking for. Strengthen them. Lift them up. In Romans 8, this is what it says. This is the Spirit of God that he describes. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. So let's let's first make sure that being strengthened by the Spirit of God has a prerequisite of having faith in God so the Spirit will dwell in you. If we don't have faith in God, if we've not trusted in Christ, the Spirit of God won't dwell in us, and we're not strengthened by the Spirit. But if we have trusted Christ, and the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. The spirit of God that that raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus who, who went to the cross and on the cross took on the full weight of our guilt and shame. Man, I don't know about you, but there's nothing more weighty in my life than shame. Like when I just feel guilty and shameful for what I've done, it is crushing So now imagine Jesus takes the full weight of just our guilt and shame in this room. Like, that's immense weight. But then he says he died for the sins of the world. And so he's got the full weight of the sins of the world pressing down on him. And he is dead and buried. But the Spirit of God is so able and powerful that he raises Jesus back to life. And Jesus just throws the chains of guilt and shame off of him and then walks out trampling over the spirit of darkness in victory. Like, that's an incredible strength. That's an incredible strength. And that is the strength that Paul's like, hey, that's in you. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. That same spirit is in you. And we'd be strengthened by that spirit. There's nothing too difficult for God which means there's nothing impossible for God to do through us because of the Spirit of God in us. May we be strengthened by His Spirit. Why? Why is Paul praying for strength in the Spirit? Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, that Christ would take center place in your hearts 
to dwell, to set up residence, to set up shop, to be central, to make a home in the middle of our hearts. The heart is the the seat of affections. It, It is what motivates and drives our will. What you love is what you do. Period. You show me the play-by-play of your life, and I guarantee you I can tell you what you love. You show me what you talk about, where you spend your money, how you spend your time, what your thoughts are towards, and I guarantee you I will make a list, probably in correct order, of what you love. The heart drives what we love, what we do, what our lives center around, and Paul says, God, strengthen them with your spirit that Christ will be central that Christ will be what drives them, that Christ will be what they love, that Christ will be what fuels every step that they take. Strengthen them. Why do we need strength for that? Because it's hard. Because it's hard, because temptation is strong. I go back to Adam and Eve, right? If anybody's going to get it right, it's those two. They live in Eden, in perfection, walking in, in the flesh with God himself. And yet temptation is so strong towards their flesh that they're like, God, I know that this Eden stuff is pretty great, but that looks good, and I'm going to choose myself. Because selfishness runs really, really deep. Our tendency is to take Christ from the center, just move him right over here, and we just want to kind of want to step up on the center stage and just run life our way. We need strength the strength of the Spirit of God to keep Christ central in our hearts, that our faith will be deeply grounded and rooted in unshakable faith so that when the storms press in, when the doubts come in, when the hurts come in, when things don't seem to make sense, when faith is hard, when life circumstances are crushing, that our faith stands in the middle of it and says, I trust Jesus no matter what is happening around me. I trust the one whose voice can calm the storms around me. And if he doesn't calm them yet, then I trust that he's taking me through them. We need strength in order to keep Christ central in our lives. If we want to walk a life of faith, we have to have the strength of the Spirit. Are you asking for that? Are you praying for that for yourself? Are you praying for that for your friends? Will you pray that for me? that we have the strength of the Spirit for Christ to dwell in our hearts, that we be rooted and, and grounded in the love of Jesus. We've got to have his strength to walk by faith. Otherwise, we're going to walk by sight. It's so much easier to walk by sight, right? It's so much easier. We've got to have the strength of the Spirit to walk by faith, to know he is there, to know he is present. So he prays for strength so that Christ would dwell in their hearts. The only way Christ is going to be central in our hearts, in your heart, in my heart, is if we have the strength of the Spirit to to keep us. That's it. We've got to ask for his strength. But not only that, so that we would have the strength to comprehend, this is verse 18, with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This, I was just kind of thrown off by why is Paul asking for strength to understand the love of Christ? Like that just seems easy, right? But Christ's love is so incredible, so great, so vast, so deep, so wide that we need a supernatural strength to understand it. 
We need a supernatural strength, the Spirit of God, to enable us to get our hands around the size and magnitude of the love of Christ. It's so incredible. And Paul's not just talking about a cognitive love, like, oh yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know, the Bible tells me so. Paul is talking about a love that we experientially know and that compels us to live differently. And so I would say, if your life is not following an active obedience of Jesus, then we don't fully grasp the love of Christ and we need his strength to enable us to know the love of Jesus. Our obedience to him is not an ability thing, it's a love thing. Do we love him enough to follow in obedience? And if we're not, then we need the strength of the Spirit to enable us to understand his love. That's been my prayer for us today. That we would experientially know the love of Jesus today differently because of the Spirit of God than we did before today. Like, what an incredible Sunday. Say, man, what happened today? I encountered the love of Jesus in a way that I had never known before. Who knew it was so incredible? That's been my prayer for us. That the Spirit of God would do that. So what do we know of the love of Jesus? We know that it is so wide that anyone and everyone is invited in. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, black or white, it doesn't matter. Anyone and everyone is invited to come and follow Jesus. It is so wide. The breadth of it is so much. Everyone is invited. Your coworker, they're like, nah, not them. Yeah. The person that you knew a long time ago, but yep, they're invited too. It's so wide. It's so long that you can't outrun his love. I think about the, the younger son and the prodigal son story, right? Just tries to run and flee and chase every kind of sin possible. But you know what never changed? Love of the Father. Never. Never change. You can't outrun the love of God for you. So I don't know if today you walked in here and, and really you're running, but you can't outrun it. You can't escape his love. It's so long. You know that it's so high, it's so perfect, it's so pure, it's so incredible. There's nothing more satisfying on this planet. The psalmist prays, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love. We're created to know love. We're created to long for love. We look for it. We want to feel it. And it's the high, perfect, pure love of Christ that is more satisfying than any earthly love you can imagine. It's so high. And it's so deep that it reaches the worst sinner. And Paul actively persecutes the Christian church, Christ himself. And Jesus comes and moves near in love. So I don't know what you bring to the table, but you can't, you can't outsend the love of Christ. It's, it's the love of Jesus that while, Ephesians 2 says, while we were dead in our sins, God is rich in mercy and has a great love toward us that even when we're dead, he makes us alive in Christ. It's, it's a love that sees an active, hostile sinner against him and moves near in love. How many times do you move near in love to people who are actively opposing you? 
How many times do you have so much love for someone that even when they are hostile against you, you move near to them in love? And that's the love of God for us? That while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us. Paul is asking the Father to strengthen their inner selves, their spirits, to know that love. And do you know that love? Will you ask God to show it to you? Strengthen our spirits so that Christ may dwell in our hearts, so that we may know the love of Jesus, and finally, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. You know, I, I don't really know what all the fullness of God means. I, I think it's so great we, we'll never fully know, but, but Paul's asking that we be filled with it. I, I know that the Psalm 16 says in his presence is the fullness of joy. I know that Jesus came that we would have abundant life, like exceedingly great. So the fullness of God has to be something pretty incredible. His, his perfect attribute, his character, his love, his comfort, his peace, his compassion, all of that is ours to be had in Jesus. And Paul's like, fill them with that. Meet them where they are that if they're lacking peace, God, fill them with peace. And if they're lacking assurance, fill them with assurance. And if they're lacking direction, fill them with direction. If they're lacking confidence, fill them with confidence. If they're lacking love, fill them with love. The fullness of God to fill them. That the, Oh gosh, that the strength of the Spirit would do that in us. We will never be the same. We will never be the same. Or we can continue to try to do things on our own and totally miss out on all this. Oh gosh, that we would know him and trust him and lean into him. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.